Welcome to the first edition of Hexacast on this Samhain night. My name is Charlotte and I will lead you through the winding paths of seasons and mysteries within. This first edition features an interview with Grey Malkin, formerly of The Hare and the Moon. We will also visit some of the music of The Hare and the Moon, as Grey has been kind enough to give his permission to play it here on Hexacast. So make yourself comfortable, sit back, relax, and enjoy this first edition on Samhain Eve. Samhain, or Halloween as most know it today, is a time when the veil between this world and the next is at its most thin. It is said, from a historical perspective, that the Celtic people had two major celebrations in a year. These are thought to have been Samhain, around the 1st of November, as it is now, and Beltane, celebrated around the modern 1st of May. Samhain was thought to be a place between, something very holy to the Celtic people. Borders between land and water, crossroads, thresholds, anywhere that's crossing. The Celts believed time lost all meaning, past, present and future were all as one in these places. Winter was seen as a tough time in Celtic times, and Samhain was the gateway to winter. Winter was viewed as the season of ghosts. Have you ever stepped out after dusk, around Samhain, and seen an ominous mist or fog hanging in the air? This would be very unnerving to those Celtic people, as well as us today. Of course, nowadays we can brush it off as just fog, just mist, perhaps some low cloud. But is that all it is? Many people, even in modern settings, will lay a place at the table for those who have come to pass in the year or even for their ancestors, so they all have a place to sit, to relax, and to hear stories of days gone by. Perhaps the family or the friends will tell stories of those people who have come to pass, to keep their memory alive, even though they are seen to have been gone.
We are very lucky here at Hexacast to be able to talk with the fantastically talented Grey Malkin, formerly of the spooky project, The Hair and the Moon. So let's begin. The music you produce with your own projects and also projects of friends has a very spooky folk horror style to it. What is it that influenced your musical style in this direction? I think this is a style or a mood that I naturally gravitate towards, whether with my own music or, or that of mutual fellow spooky people. Uh, for a long time now, actually years and years, I've loved and I've been drawn to the more eerie and haunted corners of music, be it Steel Eye Span's Long Lankin, uh, which is a tremendous traditional ballad about murder and infanticide and nice things like that or the BBC Radiophonic Workshop and, and, and their uncanny and unsettling soundtrack work in television and cinema it, it really kind of draws me in and the folk music in general is filled with the big themes uh, death, life, and everything in between it's often tragic or dramatic you just have to listen to someone like Shirley Collins to hear the rich tradition of folk or traditional music being preoccupied with the more shadowy side of life and for me, there's just also something more interesting or alluring about the darkness or the unusual uh, in all manner of culture, whether TV, books, movies or, or music. Speaking of Shirley Collins and folk music, I also have a fondness for recording old Scottish and English ballads, which tend to be quite dark anyway, as many uh, were written as cautionary tales. But the ones I especially like and have recorded with The Hair in the Moon or with my new project, Widow's Weeds, tend to be about such subjects as ghosts, uh, murder, talking ravens or crows, uh, you know, the usual. And it's not really the typical subject of a, of a kind of typical mainstream song, you know, sort of boy meets girl type of thing. Well, well unless perhaps the boy or girl are dead. And, and so to add a musical backdrop to these stories that's ineffectual or doesn't reflect the mood or the atmosphere of the text, it just seems wrong to me. So I like to be sympathetic to the text or tales and frame them musically in something appropriate. You mentioned folk horror and folk horror wise I've, I've been a huge fan of The Wicker Man and I guess other films and television that arguably comes under the, the folk horror banner for a long long time. And I'd be very lucky to be involved in actually the folk horror revival project and some of their series of books and events. Uh, and this is a group that originally came from a Facebook page, but which has grown to incorporate live music, lectures, publications, and music. It's a really rich vein to mine from. And, and of course, finally being from the Highlands of Scotland, I'm, I'm generally quite used to burning people alive in giant wicker men. Yes, I'm, I'm in the folk horror revival group on Facebook. It really has expanded into its own thing. It is fantastic to see how it's developed over the time. It's just wonderful. So going back to the music, you, you have your own musical style and your direction. Who or what would you say is your biggest creative influence or inspiration? Would you say it was mostly Black Sabbath? Uh, that's an interesting question. Black Sabbath would definitely be in there. They're a mainstay for me and, and have been since I was around 12, 13. They've got a real power and a simplicity to them that I admire. Sometimes less is more, and how something minimal can actually have more impact. 
And as I am, well, I'm not technically that great a musician, I quite like this as it's a, a justification for me only being able to play about three notes. And musically, there's a few others that spurred me on to make the Hair in the Moon's initial fairly wonky recordings. Uh, the band Coil are also a major part of my life, and I can't imagine functioning without them and their music. Pentangle, uh, on the surface very folky, but surprisingly dark and affecting. Shirley Collins, who I've mentioned. The American band Stonebreath, who I've since been fortunate enough to record with, and, and many, many more, uh, which I'm sure I'll recall after the interview. I wouldn't limit inspiration, though, to simply music. The direction and feel of my music is equally influenced by literature, especially Victorian and Edwardian ghost stories from the likes of M.R. James, Arthur Mackin, and Algernon Blackwood, and also from television and cinema, such as The Innocents, The Haunting, Valerie and Her Week of Wonders, The Seventh Seal, Changes, The Owl Service. You could usually tell, as I tend to pinch names and bits of films and books as song titles, but don't let anyone know I said that. We won't tell if you won't. <laughs> okay, we would love to hear an interesting fact about you that might surprise us. Okay, uh, well, I'm a huge fan of electronic music, particularly from the 80s, so artists such as Gary Newman, Ultravox, OMD, Soft Cell, and Visage, some of the so-called new romantic singers and bands. And I guess that's where some of my love of the very serious and dramatic in music perhaps comes from. That, and I punch on for wearing jodhapurs, eyeliner, and flying goggles whilst recording. <laughs> I think a lot of musicians do a lot of, shall we say, exotic or bizarre things whilst recording, that's for sure. So, you have the knack for the spooky soundscape down, which I'm sure is down to your outfits while recording. Do you also have an interest in the paranormal, say, the unseen side of life? Very much so. And, and I can recall being very young indeed, probably about five or six, and having a small collection of books on mysteries and the unexplained Arthur C. Clarke type of things. And there were other books in the house with features on UFOs, Bigfoot, other supernatural creatures and events, and I just devoured them, so it's, it's kind of always been there for me. Some other early memories that I have, and I remain uncertain as to the validity of them, but they're, they're vivid and they're persistent, are of particular reoccurring dreams that I had, and meeting supernatural entities within these dreams that almost feels real. There was a period when I also at least used to believe uh, or feel as though I was leaving my body and floating somewhere above where I was in a, in a kind of corporeal sense. And whether that was a child's imagination or otherwise, I'm, I'm not sure. But these experiences certainly didn't hurt and drawn me towards the unexplained. And my interest still persists. I, I regularly attend paranormal conferences or talks and I'm an avid subscriber to the Fertian Times. There has to be more than meets the eye. That's my, my gut feeling. And it feels arrogant to assume we know all there is to life, the universe and what is within it. Perhaps ghosts are a realm of physics that we just don't know about yet. Yes, I'm, I'm very much the same. I had the magazine collection called Spine Chillers when I was younger. Loved anything spooky or paranormal. I can't remember how often that magazine came out, but I know that every time I was so looking forward to reading it. It was fantastic. I'd love to find them again. I don't know if I've still got them. So, what is next after the slumber of the hair and the moon? 
Will there be a focus on collaborations? Or will you be slipping away from the musical scene altogether? I had actually planned to slip away and become a bit of a ghost myself. I was mostly unhappy and disillusioned and saw the end of the hair in the moon as a, as a full stop. However, a couple of very good friends, um, one of whom now sings in my new project, Widow's Weeds, and who I'd worked with previously in Daughters of Grief and the, the latter final, the Hair in the Moon songs, she inspired me to keep going. And I'm, I'm glad she did. And I must also mention Peter Verwim, who records as Ash Torreth. We recently released uh, Ash Torreth and Grey Malkin album called Pilgrim. And it was such a joy to record and put together that it somewhat rejuvenated my interest in, in creating music. And uh, Peter and I, we just seem to be very much on the same wavelength and we've got a similar predilection for music that's uh, a bit more haunted or spectral. And it was such a good experience recording this album that I've now a few concurrent projects on the go, including another collaboration with Ashtoreth. Uh, next up for being released should be some new Widow's Weed songs on various compilations, including a series of themed compilations from the uh, Year in the Country label that have some amazing artists on, so I'd, I'd really recommend those. And there is also another new project with the singer from Widow's Weeds and David Cullahan from United Bible Studies that we go under the name of Ember Tides, and that should have an album see the light of day very soon. Uh, what else? Some new The Mortal Lake Boot Club material should emerge towards the end of the year. That's a, a collective that I play in. Um, and I've also been fortunate enough to record as a part of United Bible Studies as well. And there's also recordings going on with uh, Kitchen Cynics, Pefkin, Alison O'Donnell, The Row and Amber Mill. All are currently underway and in production. Uh, I, I probably have too many projects, but, but there you go. Idle hands and whatnot. Wow, so you've gone from putting one project to rest to diving into others. That is brilliant. I'm sure I'm not the only one looking forward to hearing more. Going back to the production of your music, you have said previously that you cannot read music, the musical notes. It's more about knowing what goes where and the feel of it. Do you feel this is an advantage, that the lack of rigidity leads more to creativity? It certainly limits the amount of uh, of guitar solos that you might find in the Hair in the Moon's music, which is probably a good thing. I honestly find it hard to answer because I only know the position of not technically being a, a musician. But my guess, though, is that it has helped in my case as I perhaps focus more on the mood or the atmosphere than any musical competence, and, and this results in something more intuitive uh, than something planned or structured. Perhaps this leads to something more unusual, or unexpected. It certainly influenced the whole sound of the Hair in the Moon, or other music I'm involved in, and that it becomes, I guess, a bit more spare, less busy, more more mood-orientated. And I should add that I have owned a guitar and keyboards for years, I'm, I'm just very, very lazy when it comes to learning them. And would something be lost if I, if I did learn to play them properly? And that's for, for listeners to decide. And cue the sound of listeners screaming, Please, learn to play properly. Ah, uh, nothing wrong with a good old guitar solo. I'm sure that no one would prefer you to learn properly, as it were. I'm sure the notation was only invented so others could replay what was written anyway. So the final thread in all of this. Tonight is Samhain. 
or Halloween, as many would say nowadays. What are your thoughts on the sanctity of death? The veil betwixt the living and the dead. Yes, the the veil is especially thin tonight. Being the happy-go-lucky kind of guy that I am, I tend to think about death quite a lot. One of my earliest memories is of learning about death and trying to work out what it meant. How much longer the people I loved would live for. Death's a universal, but I guess our individual approach to death needn't be. That's kind of how I think about it. And I've got great respect for people of all faiths who've got their own beliefs and values around mortality. It's a way of understanding and preparing. In folklore, an interest of mine, it also has a great many things to say on death and how we might approach this. In some ways, death is something I guess we, we all share and, and which could bind us and perhaps make us more tolerant of each other. But what's behind the veil, I, I do not know. I would hope there is something. Though also I think there's something extremely valuable equally about the possibility that this is all we have, the, the here and now. There's nothing afterwards. And perhaps we should live each day as if there is nothing coming. And if there is, well, bonus. And that said, I've, I've a strong belief in ghosts. So, so I guess I've got mixed feelings or beliefs. Uh, we'll find out one way or another. Oh, I'm sure many of us listening have had our fair share of hanging around in graveyards or getting up to some spooky stuff. Death is very much the biggest mystery in life, I think. Because it's the unknown, many people have a fear of the unknown, and it's understandable because it is completely and utterly unknown. No one knows what happens until you get there and then you can't tell anyone. Well, thank you so much, Gray, for a great interview. And don't forget that you can find music from The Hair and the Moon via the usual streaming services available online and also directly purchasable from thehairandthemoon.bandcamp.com That is thehairandthemoon.bandcamp.com And that's hair as in the little hopping fellow, rather than the hair on your head. You can also find out more of The Hair and the Moon and many other projects via ReverbWorship.com. That's ReverbWorship.com.
also whatever you have planned for your Samhain celebrations. Remember to include the unseen ones. The memories of years gone past. The ghosts of a time long forgotten. Do not fear the shapes flitting at the corners of your vision. Do not fear the noises you cannot explain. The spirits are out to play tonight. It could be a local child knocking for sweet treats at your door. Or it could be a long forgotten soul visiting places they've been before. Above all, be safe, be well, and enjoy the celebrations.